This is the EWN Podcast Network. The alcohol industry is doing exactly today what the tobacco industry did in the 40s and 50s. And they are trying to convince us that it's good for us. Alcohol is ethanol and ethanol is used in making rocket fuel. So alcohol is poison and there's really no way around it. You're putting poison in your system no matter what it is that you're drinking, whether it's red wine or beer or tequila or vodka. It's Lift As We Climb, a show that shares secrets about growing your business from the eWomen Network Premier Success Coaches and outstanding members from around the world. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach and your host of the show. On today's show, we're talking about your relationship with alcohol. Hmm, how much do you drink? Do you use it as a crutch or a tool? Is just the thought of this conversation making you a little bit uncomfortable? If so, you need to hang in there for an enlightening interview with Nancy McKay, founder and certified life coach of Amazing Outlook Coaching in Denver, Colorado. Lift As We Climb is sponsored by The Expressory, your relationship building concierge, cultivating sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing, and the LinkedIn lifestyle, secrets and strategies to be a LinkedIn star. How often do you have a drink? Think about it. How often do you have a drink? Once a month? Once a week? Once a day? Several times a day? Perhaps it's a glass of wine after a hard day to unwind. Or for some, it's a problem. Oftentimes, it's a problem that people don't recognize. Nancy McKay is the founder of Amazing Outlook Coaching in Denver, Colorado. All right, Nancy, we're going to talk about a relationship with alcohol. I would imagine there are two types of people. People that need to talk about it and people that don't want to talk about it at all. Does that sound right to you? (laughs) That's exactly correct. (laughs) So how do you run into those people? And when you see someone that doesn't want to talk about it at all, does that mean they really need to have a conversation about alcohol? Pretty much, yeah. It really does. Because normal people don't worry about talking about alcohol. If they don't have a problem with their drinking, then they don't mind talking about it. And the people who avoid the discussion are the ones that are really having a problem and need to talk about it and need to ask for help. And if someone's thinking right now, that might be me, is it fair to say that the essence of addiction is you can't picture your life without it? Yes, that's exactly correct. You just cannot imagine not drinking, using whatever your coping tool du jour is. You can't imagine life without it. Chardonnay was my best friend, and I could not imagine not having that in my life. Let's talk about that because some people coach business practices or they help people through issues that they just find interesting. You've lived the alcohol life both as a child and as an adult. So can you talk about your personal relationship with alcohol? Oh, yeah. A very close one. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up in an alcoholic household very high functioning, but my father was an alcoholic. My mom drank right along with him, but I don't think she was alcoholic. My father committed suicide with alcohol, and that's what sent my drinking over the edge. I'd always been a heavy social drinker, but it hadn't really gotten into the real problem area until my dad killed himself. And I just felt I was just racked with guilt over that. 
So that put me into a different sphere of drinking and took me about two years and I tried to kill myself. So yeah, I know all about it. I have a whole lot of compassion for anyone who is in that spot because it's a hell of a place to be. And you think that your life is over Mm -hmm. and you can't see any way around it. And quitting drinking was the best thing I've ever done for myself. When you reached that point, was it a friend or a family member that pulled you out of it? Or did you just realize I needed to go get help? How did you get out of that addiction? Well, I put a gun to my head. And fortunately, when it went off, it wasn't pointed at my head. And so that scared me sober. And I hadn't had a drink since. And that was 11 and a half years ago. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I know that that's probably tough to share. And it's something that people that are battling their relationship with alcohol need to hear. If someone's in that spot right now, let's just go to the place where someone that's realizing they have a dependency issue, what do they need to hear? What would you need to hear back when you were having an issue with it? What do they need to know? Well, I think what they need to hear and know is that there's a solution and that there's hope and that the thing that they're most afraid of, which is not drinking, is not the death sentence that they think it is, (laughs) that their life will transform and change and get so much better. One of my friends says, you can't dream your life big enough because the alcohol just keeps us stuck and it keeps us really small is what it does. And we think when we're drinking that we're having the time of our life and we can't imagine celebrating anything without champagne or whatever. (laughs) And what it does is when it becomes a problem, it just keeps us small. Well, thanks again for sharing what you did. And let's talk about the bright side of it. So someone that starts overcoming the dependency, what were some of the effects on your life as you got in control and started to leave your life without alcohol? Well, the first thing that happened to me was about a year after I got sober, I had been self-employed in the kitchen and bath design business and business was slowing down. And so I needed to get a real job. And I went back to the oil and gas industry that I had been in years before. And I got a really, really good job and just retired from that job last year. I was making more money than I'd ever made and met some incredible people and something that I never thought I would be doing again. So that changed my life. And then what being sober helped me with was six years after I got sober, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And if I hadn't been sober, well, I probably would have been dead before I was diagnosed. But if I hadn't been sober, I wouldn't have been able to get through that with any (laughs) dignity or grace at all. Everything happens for a reason, right? Absolutely. When you help women and you help business owners examine their relationship with alcohol, there has to be little benefits that you really don't think of at first. I mean, yes, you, you got sober and you turned your life around and got a great job and moved on and survived cancer and all these things were benefits of quitting. But like, what are some of the little things like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that or I didn't realize my body was reacting this way? Like, what are some of those little changes that happen when you get sober? Oh, well, let's see. I always had a, might sound really silly, but I knew I always had a sweet tooth. 
but it's amazing how much sugar is in alcohol. And so my sugar addiction really kicked into high gear. And so that was surprising. And so that's kind of a downside rather than an upside. But it's one of those things that every alcoholic starts eating a lot more sugar (laughs) Mm -hmm. in order to counteract that. So that's one kind of downside to it. But the other thing is, is that it's amazing how much clearer you think. And once that fog has lifted, and it takes everybody different amounts of time, depending on what their situation is. When you start thinking more clearly, you can do everything differently and better from making decisions to understanding that there's a better way to live. So I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but there are little things that change. Your relationships change and you find that you don't have as much in common with some people and you have to change your playmates and your playgrounds, as they say, and you learn who your real friends are because they're the ones that stick by you as you're going through all of that and you find out that the people who don't were just drinking buddies. More to come with Nancy McKay. What about the culture around us? We may be able to control our behavior, but what if alcohol is everywhere or people in our life are still drinking? How do we handle it? We'll ask about that and more with Nancy McKay as we continue. This episode of Lift As We Climb is sponsored by Cultivating Sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing. I'm using Cultivating Sales to not only organize my clients and partners, I'm using it to manage this worldwide podcast. With this one program, I built and host the show's webpage where guests can apply, book their dates, and subscribe. It also manages the email communications and Lift As We Climb VIP text program. The one program has replaced so many other subscriptions, it practically pays for itself. Stay close to your customers with texts, emails, sales funnels, calendars, a course builder, and even a website builder. Get the secret discount just for Lift As We Climb listeners. Visit cultivatingsales.com slash lift to capture it. That's cultivatingsales.com slash lift. And the LinkedIn Lifestyle, the secret recipe to attract the right people and build authentic relationships on LinkedIn. Before I worked with the LinkedIn lady, my LinkedIn was a mess. Then she introduced me to the LinkedIn Lifestyle. And now I'm loaded with daily content ideas. My profile views are up and my engagement has improved. If you're trying to do business on LinkedIn, join me and lead the LinkedIn Lifestyle. Visit linkedinlifestyle.com slash star to get the free report, Five Fatal Flaws in Most LinkedIn Profiles. Watch your profile views and post performance soar with these tips. They work. Get the report now at linkedinlifestyle.com slash star. And The Expressory, your relationship building concierge. I just launched the Idea Collective for Small Business Owners and Jamie and the team at The Expressory are blowing my members' minds. When a new member signs up, the Expressory team is automatically alerted to send a personalized surprise welcome gift right to their doorstep. The members are so surprised that they talk about the group on social media and feel more connected to our mission. Right now, you have a cool opportunity to experience the Expressory for yourself for free. Simply text the word TEST to 414-240-1315. That's TEST to 414-240-1315. 
and you'll get a surprise mailing including various samples of their handmade cards right to your door. You'll love the experience, and you'll want it for your business, too. Try out the Expressory today. Back to the show with Nancy McKay. So, Nancy, let's talk about the culture for a second. I live in Wisconsin, the highest tavern-to-citizen ratio in the country. And drinking is just normalized here. Alcohol is everywhere. Why is it such a thing? Well, I have a tendency to get on a soapbox about this. Go for it. Come on. (laughs) The alcohol industry is doing exactly today what the tobacco industry did in the 40s and 50s. And they are trying to convince us that it's good for us, number one, from if you drink one glass of red wine every day, then it cuts down your cholesterol and it helps digest fat and look at the French and so on and so forth. And so that's a fallacy. (laughs) Alcohol is ethanol and ethanol is used in making rocket fuel. So alcohol is poison and there's really no way around it. You're putting poison in your system, no matter what it is that you're drinking, whether it's red wine or beer or tequila or vodka. So there's that. But they're trying to convince us that it's not only good for us, but we can't live happily ever after unless we've got a cocktail in our hand. And so it is so normalized and it's so much a part of our culture that It's almost like we check our brains at the door when we go into a liquor store because we romanticize it. And that's one of the things that's so difficult when you're quitting is because when you have a craving come up, you romanticize it. It's like, oh boy, does that sound good? You know, and all you can think of is the glass of champagne with the dew dripping down the side of it and it just looks, it's shining in the sunlight when you just think that you're going to have a sip of champagne and you're going to be transported into nirvana, right? And the problem with that is, is that alcoholics, that's not how they drink. They'll slam down that one and then they'll have another one and then they'll switch to tequila or they'll do something else. And before they know it, they're either passed out or blacked out or something. So it's all well and good if this is something that you occasionally take part in. But a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't understand how quickly you can go from a social drinker to an alcohol abuser to a full-blown alcoholic. It can happen really quickly. And that's the problem. If you can look at it and explore your relationship with it before you hit rock bottom like I did, then there's a chance that you can really look at it objectively and make a decision of, do I really need this drink the way I think I do? Because everything begins with mindset. And so that's where that all comes in. And I wish that I would have had someone like me to work with before I put a gun to my head. A trainer that I use, or at least I used to use, and if I would listen to more often, I'd be a lot skinnier than I am, talks about (laughs) diet saying, your diet isn't an absolute lifestyle. It's just a string of decisions. Each decision, every time you go to the kitchen, is just another decision. Is that how you have to think about your personal relationship with alcohol? That today I'm not going to drink. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. 
Definitely. And now it's not a conscious decision. Right. It's just something I don't do. Mm-hmm. But the diet thing is much more in the front of my mind because I'm working on losing weight. And so that is a decision. And that's all it is. So many of us blow things so much, so far out of proportion as far as you can't look at it like I'm never going to have sugar again, or I'm never going to have a drink again, or I'll never have another cigarette or whatever. It's just maybe it's for five minutes or 15 minutes or an hour, but you consciously make a choice for this moment that you're not going to do whatever that is. And that's how you get through it. And that's how you string time together no matter what it is. You help people with more than just alcohol. And I want to ask you about that in just a minute. But I do want to have one more question about alcohol in general. Mm -hmm. Is now a particularly dangerous time for people that are teetering on the edge because we've been sent home and we're at home hiding out from everyone that it's easy to just take it too far when no one's looking? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you bet it is. And I had a lot of people early on in this pandemic say, boy, I bet your business is really booming. And it wasn't at that point because people were loving it. Now I'm noticing a lot more people reaching out to me and commenting on social media and so on and so forth because now it's like, okay, (laughs) this is getting a little out of hand. And I see what's happening to me. And the party is getting a little long in the tooth and it's time to clean this up. So the tables are starting to turn and it's really hard. It's a social problem. And when people can't socialize the way they normally did, it makes it hard. And the isolation that this pandemic has created really feeds the alcoholic mentality because it's, if nobody sees me do it, then no harm, no foul. Right. And unfortunately, that's not true. Well, sharing what you just shared today is going to help someone. So thank you for doing that. You bet. With Amazing Outlook Coaching, you also help with other things that hold people back. So outside of alcohol, what else do you help with? Well, pretty much anything really that involves a thought that you think. (laughs) (laughs) So we all react and have thoughts about circumstances in our life. And it's our thoughts that drive everything. So... Our thoughts create our feelings and then our feelings determine what actions that we take with anything. And the actions that we take give us the results that we get. And so everything starts with your thoughts. And so whether it's alcohol, God, I really need a drink, or I need a cigarette, or let's go win some money on the ponies, or let's have that Snickers bar. Anything where your thoughts are creating a negative outcome. It drives everything we do. And so when you can break it down and understand that the thought creates a feeling and that feeling is what is also driving the actions that you take and the results that you get, then it's easier to say, okay, I really need a drink. Well, do I? Is that true? And how about I don't need a drink right this minute? or I don't need that Snickers bar right this minute. And so it changes everything. When I got cancer, a lot of people would say, why me? And I didn't. That never crossed my mind. When I quit drinking, why me? Crossed my mind. Why the hell, right? But when I got cancer, the question I asked was, well, why not me? 
but it depends on what that thought is against that circumstance. And so the thought is your first line of defense between being negative and positive and changing the result that you get. And Wayne Dyer said, he made very popular, change your thoughts, change your life. And it's absolutely true. And I know that people can transform their lives if they change their thoughts. Well, you could look at somebody and say, oh, well, it's clear that he or she goes to the gym, but I can't look at you and know that you're a mental supermodel, right? I can't tell that. <laughs> right. So how do you help someone? Because they say, okay, change your thoughts. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Is this yeah. mantra? Are these signs around the house? I mean, <laughs> seriously, like yeah. we hear people say frequently, change your thoughts, change your mindset, get a different frame of mind. And as someone that's just a functioning everyday professional, like, I don't even know where to start. So how would you tell someone like me or someone that's listening saying, yeah, Nancy, great idea. What do I do? Yeah. Well, hire me. <laughs> ah, see? There you go. Set you up for that one. And we'll work through it. But really and truly, there's so much out there. Work with a coach mm-hmm. that is going to help you learn how to do it, change your thoughts, catch yourself be on to yourself when you hear this nonsense coming up in your head. My coach used to say, when you come up with these thoughts, it's like a toddler running around in your brain with a butcher knife. And you can control that. You have to discipline it. It's discipline to change your thoughts. And and you have to be completely honest with yourself. That's the thing is that you have to really be onto yourself and go, now, wait a minute. That's nonsense. I know that's not true. So fix that. Change that. It sounds so silly because it's so simple. And yet it's something that generally speaking, we don't do because it's so easy to let that negative voice in our heads wreak havoc with us. And it's ridiculous. It really is. Well, as someone that's tamed that thought in your head, You've done a great job of overcoming some huge challenges. You now help people with that. I'm curious, do you give that voice a name? Is there an avatar? Like, do you play those kinds of games? Or is just that's who you are and discipline yourself? What's the relationship? And I don't mean to go all deep here, but is the relationship between, is the thought in your head you? Or is that an alter ego? Like, how do you frame (laughs) that relationship? Because it's sometimes, like you say, it feels like it's someone totally different. I don't feel that way. Why am I thinking this? Right. Well, so I have two alter egos. One is a lizard. Her name is Lulu. And she's the one that sits on my shoulder and goes, you're a loser. And you don't know what you're talking about. And why don't you just pour yourself a drink? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So whenever Lulu pops up, I tell her, thank you so much for that information. I really appreciate that. But I don't need your help today. And you can go take a nap or whatever, play in the sandbox, do whatever it is that lizards want to do. Then I've got another one who is a total badass. And she's like, you've got this and you're brilliant. And everybody needs to hear what you have to say. And you're just fabulous. (laughs) It's really interesting because I was thinking about this this morning. And it's one of the things that, and I don't know if men are taught differently than women as we're growing up, but I know that women have a hard time owning their power and they're really stepping into it because we've been told 
all of our lives, and especially in my generation, that number one, we shouldn't have opinions because we don't really know how to have one. And then that our opinions are not important and no one wants to hear them. And I was taught when I was a kid, children should be seen and not heard. And that that carried through for a long time. I mean, that's not something that just stops when you're 12. Well, and our culture promotes this take a back seat and it's still going on. And so it's so much easier to listen to the Lulu in your head and believe that than it is to listen to the badass that is saying, you've got this. You can trust yourself. You know what you're doing. Because we feel like we are bragging and getting too big for our britches and all that stuff that people aren't going to like us if we do that. So as a recovering people pleaser, it's really hard for me to embrace my inner badass. I'd rather talk about putting a gun to my head than talking about being a coach that can help people sometimes because it's still a little foreign for me to own that. And the bottom line is, I will not become the success that I want to become until I own the fact that I am a badass coach and I can help you. Well, as an outsider talking with you today to your inner badass, you just today in this half hour we've been talking has brought your strength and honesty and character and you're helping people right now. So high five to your inner badass. So good for you. (laughs) Thank you. If someone's listening right now, because I would imagine we've created about 50,000 violent head nods during this conversation of, yep, yep, yep. If someone wants to know more and they are interested in listening and learning with you, how do they start the relationship? Well, they can reach out to me on my email, which is nancy at amazingoutlookcoaching.com, or they can just pop over to my website, www.amazingoutlookcoaching.com, and hit the connect button. Well, I'm sure it would be a fascinating conversation. And for some, it may be a life-saving conversation. So bless you for what you do and congratulations on your success. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to Nancy McKay, the founder of Amazing Outlook Coaching, for coming on the show. If you'd like to get in touch with her, you can visit her website at amazingoutlookcoaching.com. That's amazingoutlookcoaching.com. We'll also drop the link in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, you need to hop in as a Lift As We Climb VIP. It's simple and easy. Just text the word LIFT to 414-240-1315. That's LIFT to 414-240-1315. You'll get a reminder when new shows are released, and we also have some fun giveaways from time to time. This episode of Lift As We Climb is sponsored by The Expressory, your relationship-building concierge, the LinkedIn lifestyle, secrets and strategies to be a LinkedIn star, and cultivating sales, the all-in-one CRM for sales and marketing. I'm Pat Miller, the idea coach and a premier success coach for the eWomen Network. Find out more about me at patmillerideacoach.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.